0: Friends, welcome to Womankind. This is your host Kelsey Novitz, and I'm here with my guest for today, Cheryl Chambers. She is a licensed mental health counselor at Christian Counseling Ministries. Hi, Cheryl.
1: Hi, Kelsey. It's good to be here.
0: I'm so happy you're here. This has been a long time coming, setting oh, this date. It is. Yeah, and we'll
1: get into why. Yeah, we'll talk about bit.
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate you being here. So why don't you start out by telling us what it is that you do as a licensed mental health health
1: counselor? Well, you know, particularly myself, I specialize in women and marriages, and um, you know, I see people on an individual basis, and at times will co therapy with another counselor at our center, Christian Counseling Ministries, and um, I particularly love working with women who have been sexually abused, who have are survivors of sexual abuse. If someone is actually being sexually abused and they would come for help, I'd have to refer them into the system because okay. there's a lot more resources available to mm-hmm.
0: them. So I, a person who is currently being sexually abused would go to a different type of counselor? Exactly. Okay. Well, What's to an agency. An agency. They can
1: get all kinds of help. Oh, okay. Yeah, besides just counseling. Mm-hmm.
0: So what types of people or women specifically do you serve? What what type of, what have they been through in order to come to you?
1: It can be anything. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes women come because they're in a bad relationship or, you know, they've been in a relationship for a long time and they haven't been married yet. Just wondering, should I hang on or not? Um, Mostly marriage is just lack of communication, Um, you know, habits that the spouse might have, depression is a huge one, Mm -hmm. anxiety disorders are a big one, and oftentimes they come in not for the reason of of sexual abuse, but when you start getting into their family history and some of their experiences, because we try to give a very thorough assessment Mm -hmm. of them to see where they're coming from, the sexual abuse comes up. Mm-hmm. And there's some people who say, "Well, I don't want to deal with it. It hasn't, it doesn't affect me now." And then, as we get into what is what is affecting them, and we talk about it, it often I try to find a segue. Into Comes the to the surface, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so basically, you know, I'm just um, I'll see anybody. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, my favorite clients are my sexual abuse clients or clients that have been in marriages that needed a lot of work mm-hmm. and then I'll try to get the, the husband mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But usually it usually it is the woman who initiates counseling in a marriage. Mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know mm-hmm. Men don't think they have any problems, mm-hmm. they don't think they need help. Yeah, so it's just part of our culture. Yeah. I hope that changes.
0: What do you like about working with victims of sexual abuse and women who are in relationships that are not going well?
1: Just to help them to heal, Mm -hmm. you know, the relationships that aren't going well, just to help them to see what their values are, what they're looking for in life, whether or not this person that they've been hanging on to is really what they're looking for, Mm -hmm. and help them to have the confidence to move on A lot of women fear, especially if they get to be close to 35 to 40, Mm -hmm. that, gee, you know, my pickings are going to be slim. If Mm -hmm. I wait much longer, maybe this is as good as I'm going to get. But it's not true. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a friend who married at 40, and, you know, she's very happily married. Mm -hmm. And women who have have married later than that, you know, but... um, it's a shame that our society puts so much emphasis on women's identity, being that they are married. And, you know, you, they used to call you a spinster or an old right. maid. You know, now you don't get those. Right. You know, but you get, you know, oh, you're still single. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. I mean, I, that is definitely
0: something that I think happens a lot in our society. And there is a lot of pressure and this stigma on being single as a woman that I don't think... Is on men that are single at no. later ages.
1: No, um, unless they, t- you know, think, oh, something's wrong with them mm-hmm. that they're not dating. You know, maybe they're interested in men rather mm-hmm. than women, mm-hmm. and that's a stigma that isn't good for. If I mean, if, if they are, it's one thing, mm-hmm. but if they're not, right? And there's an assumption about
0: yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Now we're talking about stigmas a little bit here. Have you found um, that there, because I think there is a culture of stigma around mental health and seeking counseling? Definitely. How has that impacted your job?
1: Well, it's certainly a stigma, especially within the church. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of churches, though, are beginning to understand that you know people do need help. Mm-hmm.
0: I would argue that every single person in the world needs counseling. Oh, would I've you say that's counsel- true?
1: <laughs> I been to counseling. I think it's wonderful mm-hmm. you know and I even during this um, difficult time with my health I have um, I have had some counseling mm-hmm. you know um, but my husband's um, has his doctorate in counseling so he's the one that started this ministry, Christian Counseling Ministries. And so I have him that I can go to, which helps. Mm-hmm. Oh, so
0: you're a household of two counselors. Yeah. How does that
1: go? <laughs> well, it's me was always trying to point out what's wrong with him. <laughs> but our daughters grew up saying, oh my goodness, we'll never go into mental health because we're so, you know, analyzing situations and stuff. But ironically enough, our second daughter, when she was in college, she was going into theater. She wanted to do, um, what was she going to do with her theater? I don't even know. And um, she called us her end of her sophomore year and said, Mom and Dad, are you sitting down? And we said, yes. <laughs> and she goes, I decided to change my major to psychology. Wow. <laughs> And we just laughed, you know, because she just said she'd never do it. But she is a licensed mental health mm-hmm. counselor herself right wow. now in okay. Indiana. And the family doesn't she's an ex she's an excellent I wish I could have her here mm-hmm. as one of our counselors. But um she's just always had a heart for people, so it really does fit her naturally. And uh so it's not surprising to us. It would be surprising if my older daughter did, because she's got more of the business mind and right. stuff like that. So
0: so tell me a little bit more about the practice itself that you work for.
1: Well, um, the main campus is on Main Street in Clarence, uh, not far from here, actually, only about a mile and a half.
0: We're recording on location in Clarence, New yes, York, today.
1: <laughs> and... Um, there are nine counselors at this location, and then there are four other satellite offices for people who live down in those areas who want to do counseling, but they don't want to do it full time. They have other jobs. Um, so um, we'll, we'll um, find a location where they can meet, and then they see clients, and we my husband has to go down to supervise two people down in the south towns tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, it really helps to make the convenient for clients. And we also, you know, everybody does. We only have one male counselor at the moment, and we're really needing another male counselor. We have one at one of the locations. We have one in Jamestown. But, um, you know, he doesn't come up here. And this Mm -hmm. is where the bulk of our clients are Mm
0: -hmm. in
1: in this, you know, greater Buffalo area. So um, we're looking for one. And the burden falls on my husband. I mean, I have taken a male client. You know, it's not that I won't. It's just that they usually want a male counselor. Mm
0: -hmm. Why do you think that is, that gender matters in matching genders matters in a counseling situation? Well, that's
1: a good question. I think it's because they think m- men might understand men better, mm-hmm. and women... Actually, my husband he has a lot of women, too, mm-hmm. so... Um, but I think generally if it comes to something like sexual abuse, if they know they're coming for that reason, they'd want to talk to a woman.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. That yeah. would be more comfortable, a yeah. more comfortable situation.
1: So, yeah. Everybody specializes in different things, mm-hmm. you know, um, grief, children. Mm-hmm. I don't see children myself, either just my husband. Um, he'll see teenagers, and I've seen a teenager from time to time, but I don't feel as effective working with teenagers. Um, he's more of a, he has the ability to get down to their level. mm mm-hmm. You know, I'm not so much the way, I'm kind of
0: heady. <laughs> it does take a certain kind of language to it address teenagers.
1: Yeah,
0: it does. We talked a little bit about how you do specifically serve women. Um, since you did say that you work with many women who have been sexually abused, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the Me Too movement. So now in... You know, in the industries, different industries, sexual abuse and sexual harassment have been brought more into the forefront. Has anything changed in your profession since this has happened? Have more people been coming forward or have, has it pretty much remained the same in I your experience? pretty
1: much remained the same, mm-hmm. although, you know, I think the Me Too movement when it started out was a great thing. Mm-hmm. I think what's happened though, is it has kind of moved into the political system where now you know there's so much pressure on organizations and universities to hire women and minority women whether or not they're the best candidate or not. Mm-hmm. And that's what concerns me about it. I certainly think initially it was a great thing. I think women did need to be recognized and, um, for what they what their value is, rather than, you know, deal with all of the masculine mm-hmm. <laughs> ways at work, mm-hmm. you know, it's... Yeah, the coercion and the... It's, it's a shame, because, mm-hmm. you know, I've had a client who has dealt with that, mm-hmm. and, you know, she didn't have the confidence to get another job, so that's one of the things we've worked on, mm-hmm. is, you know... Um, Where would you like to work? What do you think your gifts are? Help her build her confidence to start looking. And Mm -hmm. she was able to change jobs, but at first it was, she felt like she was stuck and she Mm -hmm. didn't know what to do. Right. And
0: that, I mean, the hope, I mean, with the Me Too movement, I think eventually is that, you know, a woman wouldn't be in that situation or if she was in that situation, If she chose to, she could fight against the person who was abusing her, putting her in her her, exactly. She has a
1: platform
0: right now. Mm -hmm. She didn't have so much
1: before. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. I it's a slow moving train, but hopefully, changes are coming.
1: I know.
0: So here's something. What are some misconceptions that people have about counseling? That if someone says, oh, no, I'm just not into that, or I'm not interested, it won't help me, um, what are some misconceptions you could clear up for a person who isn't interested?
1: It is a good question. If I found that they were, did he have some issue that they were always complaining about, but they didn't want counseling, um, you know, I, I would be suspicious that there was something else holding them back. And... I don't know if you've had this experience. Um, It's a pretty common experience where you have a friend who has a problem, and all they want to do is vent, and they take up all your time and energy, and you spend some time giving them some direction and, and, um, you know, some answers to help them. And then the next time they call you, they've never followed through on any of that. You know, so some people aren't really looking for help, they're just looking for sympathy, and they're looking for attention. Mm -hmm. You know, um, misconceptions might be, you know, I haven't thought about this for a long time, Um, just that, will things be kept confidential? You know, you were referred by my pastor, will you be talking to my pastor at all? And of course the question is, absolutely not, unless you sign a release form that you'd like us to, you know. And some people are afraid to use insurance because we mostly operate on a sliding fee scale, which is why my husband started this ministry, because he wanted people to be able to afford counseling. And if they don't have insurance, it's very helpful. If they do have insurance, there's times when they don't want to use their insurance because sometimes the um, diagnosis might be sent to the um, Human Resources Department. And where they work, and they're afraid of that. So even though it's just something like an adjustment disorder, you know, mm-hmm. they just they don't want people to know. Mm-hmm. So I think the basic one probably is confidentiality. That's probably the big one.
0: Okay, and that you think deters some people from seeking out counseling? Yeah, yeah.
1: Hmm. I think it's getting better. I think they're recognizing that it is a confidential profession. I'm sure there have been times when confidentiality, confidentiality has been breached and it's caused people to have a really bad taste in their mouth. Mm-hmm. But generally, those aren't the kinds of questions that we get when people call. What you know, questions like, do you get? Oh, just um, how much is it going to cost? That would be my first <laughs> question. <laughs> how much is it going to cost? <laughs> um, you know, what's involved? Mm-hmm. Do you have... Um, is this a monthly thing? How often do you meet? You know, and our um, office administrator is, you know, answers those in a very diplomatic manner. It really does depend on how often you want to meet, or you know, the um, difficulty of your problem. You know, in terms of, you know, whether or not you think you need to be seen on a regular basis, or once a month is good. I have a couple of clients that are once a month. And it's just, I've been working with them for a while, um, but some of that, I mean, you know, my goal is not to work with, uh, with a client long-term, obviously, but one of the persons has a generalized anxiety disorder, and there's so many things that come up in her life that create a huge amount of anxiety that she needs somebody to talk to about it. Her husband, she's got a great supportive husband, but you know, you can only hear so much, of the obsessing over and over again that that she does. So um, she's one, and then... Um, who's the other one? Okay. Oh, the one is in a very, very difficult marriage, and she has never learned to stand up for herself, so we're working on her using her voice. Often doesn't work. Her husband is very, very difficult, um, very... I'm, I'm the leader in this house, and you need to do what I do, tell you to do, and go where I go. And, you know, she's just not that type of woman. She's very independent. And plus, he only wants her to go a certain direction, and she's isn't. So, once a month is, is helpful to her because it, it empowers her then when she goes back home to say things to him, whether it's successful. Of getting him to change or not is not the issue. It's just getting her to use her voice.
0: Definitely. Now I imagine there are some clients that you see every week. Yep. And every couple weeks. Yeah, Definitely. But it's all situation dependent. Yep. yep. So I think something that I think has changed maybe in my lifetime um, is now I've noticed that my students who are high school aged they have a language to describe yeah. a lot of mental health situations that I certainly didn't know when I was that age.
1: I probably didn't um, know them
0: either. <laughs> well, well, I just, I feel like I find myself explaining pretty often that anxiety is a normal part of life yeah. unless you have an anxiety disorder. Right. So would you mind explaining just the difference between like general regular anxiety that people have in everyday life versus sure. a disorder.
1: Sure. Life is very stressful. It sure you know, is. <laughs> whether you're working, whether you're going to school, whether you have family issues, um, difficulty with friendships, anything. Of course, health issues, but life is full of anxiety. And depending on how much it takes over your life well determine whether or not it moves into an anxiety disorder. Like generalized anxiety disorder is a person who really comes by it naturally. It's something that members of the family have had down through the years, generations. And um, this one client I was talking about that I see monthly, her sister has one, you know, and her mother had one. And... um, It was more, you know, with the nature-nurture thing, you wonder about that. But when it comes to anxiety, when they've done brain studies, it shows that there's a lot of activity in the amygdala area of the brain with anxiety. And that um, is definitely a physical thing. Mm -hmm. And so
0: that's like your instinctual part of the brain that you don't really have control over. Right. Mm -hmm. Just making sure I remember that from school days.
1: So... um, you know, a person might not have a generalized anxiety disorder, but they may need help long term because of some of the choices that they made in their lives that have created more situations that caught that make them feel anxious. And so it's pulling apart all those things and the counseling would take longer, you know, than someone who's just anxious because they have their bars to to take and they're, you know, afraid that they're not gonna pass, you know, it's, it's different. Um, but, you know, and then of course there's all kinds of anxiety, there's um, obsessive compulsive disorder where someone has to keep repeating things over and over again in their life to feel like they're in control. And, um, you know, there's fears, phobias, And those are huge in our society. I'm not going to certainly be able to list them all. Right. (laughs) But yeah, the extent to which it dominates your life moves it from just normal, everyday wear and tear of life into a more serious Mm -hmm. illness, disorder. Mm
0: -hmm. So I also want to talk specifically about depression in women. Are there any distinctions between depression in women versus depression in men, or anything that you've noticed with your clients who are struggling with depression?
1: Depression is common for men as well as for women, but I think women have more access to their emotions than men do. So I think women sometimes feel deep, deeper. Um, you know, there's studies that have done, been done in the womb. Of, a, of males and females, um, in the third trimester, a wash of testosterone goes over the male baby's brain. So it kind of separates the, the connections between the right side and the left side of the brain. That's why men tend to be more um, left, you
0: know, mm-hmm. more
1: thinking and reasoning. Mm-hmm. Whereas women have access to both sides of the brain. There's... I don't know if you remember um, Gray, I forget his first name, who did the, you know, women are from, from Venus and men are from Mars yeah. or vice versa. I don't I remember, remember his name
0: either, but I'm familiar with the yeah. book.
1: <laughs> and then there's a book out called um, Women Are Like um, Spaghetti and Men Are Like Like Waffles. You know, just just. just trying to compare that women have access to Mm -hmm. everything at one time they can think and feel at once whereas men tend to feel in compartments Mm -hmm. that's when they're at work they can just think about work and then when they come home you know they can think about the tv shows they are gonna watch you know Mm -hmm. um so
0: and of course that does vary depending on the person but it does mm -hmm. yeah it's
1: not Written in stone. There's a lot of men who who do have access to their emotions. But um, it is sometimes hard for women because they want their spouse to be able to deal on the same mm-hmm. level emotionally with them. And they have to force the man to get out of the compartment that he's mm-hmm. in at the time. And so often, you know, men will say, well, we'll talk about that another time. Mm-hmm. And who's who's going to bring it up? It's going to bring the The woman woman. because the man isn't, he doesn't have that compartment open. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, interesting interesting differences between men and women, but Mm -hmm. men certainly get depressed. They have, life is difficult Mm -hmm. for men with jobs and fear of Mm -hmm. losing their job and trouble with their children, Mm -hmm. all kinds of things.
0: But those are, those are things that are men and women alike have issues with sure. all of those things, absolutely. For sure. um, So before we move on to talking about more of your personal story, um, is there anything else about your um, job as a licensed mental health counselor that you'd like to add?
1: Well, at Christian Counseling Ministries, we try to reach out to the community, and one of the things that we're going to be starting, my husband used to meet with you know, leading professionals in the area and pastors on a regular basis to keep the contact, let them know what we're doing, what what resources are available, and instead of doing that, um, we've moved to something called Behind Closed Doors, and it's where um, professionals and pastors can come and hear about certain mental health issues or This first one coming up is Thursday, October 4th, and the whole idea is to um, eliminate um, the stigma and secrecy of marital, family, and mental health-related crises that you and I were just talking about. And, um, you know, this one in particular is going to help to... um, Examine how churches and Christian organizations and other mental health-related organizations can um, address mental health issues in their circles of influence, to educate them, to identify what some of those issues are with marriages and families, um, equip leaders with the knowledge, skills, and resources to respond to the marital, um, family, and mental health crises. So it's just you know something that we want to do. It's free, Mm -hmm. you know, we just want to do it to just help the community, you know, because there's so many, um, like we talked about, misconceptions Mm -hmm. or sometimes um, pastors especially have a hard time referring because they feel like as a pastor they should be able to do this. They may have had a counseling Mm -hmm. course or two in their seminary education,
0: but that's so different from being a medical professional in the field.
1: Yeah, very different. Mm-hmm. And some of them get it, mm-hmm. and they'll, and they'll. But, you know, a lot of them, honestly, they say that they're going to do it, but then they never mm-hmm. do. And then we end up getting the clients that weren't getting their needs met, right? And oftentimes we're hurt, right? Some damage yeah. could have been done. Yeah.
0: Now, so there is a a Christian religious element to your um
1: there is but we don't we can consider ourselves faith based because okay. we don't proselytize mm-hmm. anybody you know to sc- comes um some people see the name Christian counseling and feel that it's a safe mm-hmm. counseling a safe place to come because mm-hmm. um, it reminds me of church mm-hmm. and you know that kind of thing um so not all of our clients are, quote, Christians, you know. Um, so it's um, open to really anyone.
0: Oh, excellent. And we
1: would not um, ever terminate counseling because a mm-hmm. person wasn't, and we wouldn't even bring up, one of our first questions to people is, not first, but in part of the intake, how does God fit into your life if he does at all? And then you get a feel for where the person's at, you know? And then you know whether or not you need to introduce it or not, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So um, we don't introduce it unless there's something that they're saying that would indicate that it might be a topic worth them considering. Worth exploring, okay.
0: Now, I know, I mean, I grew up in the Catholic Church, and I think at times there has been this again, the stigma Mm -hmm. against mental health counseling or seeking treatment for mental health. Um, And, I I mean, I don't think that people said this specifically, but maybe, like, praying it away or something and not seeking treatment for mental health issues because you should be able to figure them out through your spirituality and through church. Um, But have we gotten away from that in religious communities or is that something that you Mm -hmm. still see? Oh, yeah. Okay.
1: Not entirely, and sometimes mm-hmm. well-meaning pastors from the pulpit, you know, will say things that give that message. Mm-hmm. And one in particular, um, several years ago, but I was in church, and um, the pastor was talking about when Paul the apostle says, "forgetting what lies behind and moving onward to the goal of Christ Jesus." He took that as Forget the past, which a lot of how they interpret it, and just focus on going forward. So here you've got people in the, and, and then he had people come up if they needed to turn the, their past over to God, and the front of the church was flooded, and I'm like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm feeling so bad for these people because mm-hmm. I know some of them are dealing with sexual abuse issues mm-hmm. and it's not something you you lay down and what Paul was talking about in that passage anyway was his the accolades he was able to attain as a, a Pharisee mm-hmm. and, and, and now you know he was he had become converted um, by meeting Jesus on the, on the Damascus road and um, he now could no longer rest in his laurels. Hmm. He had to forget all that mm-hmm. and go forward.
0: So that's a different thing to forget your past of like great success by societal standards, is different than forgetting your sexual abuse and not dealing with it.
1: Right, or any part mm-hmm. of your past, you know. Right. Problems with a with a mother or father mm-hmm. relationship, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Well, I'm glad to hear that it's moving away from that because you know, taking care of your mental health, as you know, is like taking care of your physical health. Right. It all is in
1: together. Oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. and I think most of us ignore our emotional health mm-hmm. more so than our physical health.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's ta- I mean, I'm I'm talking about stigma this whole time, and even I have I've been to counseling many times throughout my twenties, throughout my late teens, and. I still feel a little bit strange talking about it publicly, um, and I wish that I didn't. I wish that it was something... I I do want to put that out there, that it is something that truly helps keep your mental health in a good state.
1: Another thing along with that, is being on medication for Mm -hmm. psychological reasons, Mm -hmm. you know, for depression or anxiety or obsessive thoughts or certain, you know, conditions. Mm -hmm. It was just... It's so unfortunate, but what's been really neat at our church is we've had an opportunity to impact some of the leaders of the church in terms of them getting help, and they've been very verbal about it, which is helpful because... Okay, because you have someone and, very visible. Right. Yeah. Right. Saying, you got this help, and it was very helpful, or, you know, I we went on this medication. Mm-hmm. Not everybody buys it, you know, um, Some some of the... Um, staff you know might think you really shouldn't be sharing that you know (laughs) but um it's wonderful when they have the courage to do that
0: i think so too i think it's great to have people that are visible people in positions of power saying that they have sought these
1: treatments our main pastor he says i'm not a counselor so if you come to me with problem i'm going to say get over it (laughs) <laughs> he says, we have people on our staff who can okay. provide that kind of help for you. Mm-hmm. So,
0: Excellent. All right, so I think we'll now move into hearing a little bit more about your personal story. So Cheryl, tell us more about you.
1: Okay, well, I'm sitting with you today, Kelsey, because I wanted to tell my story with a chronic health issue, medical issue, that has debilitated my life in so many ways and my hope is that women who listen who have been through similar circumstances are going through them right now would be able to learn more how to deal with it and have some hope that there's help out there if you're feeling really hopeless. So I thought I would define um chronic illness first because it, it can be something obvious like um, a condition that would pose limits and problems resulting in suffering and um, pain um, that really put limits on the person's ability to function you know and my example is lupus Um, there's fibromyalgia that a lot of women are dealing with. It's becoming more and more widely diagnosed. And women at younger and younger ages, too, Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah. You don't hear so much about chronic fatigue syndrome, but it is still prevalent. And there's diabetes that cause some people more trouble than others. Um, So, you know, it's just a few of them. But another um, what I would call a definition is somebody who's been injured or suffering from some kind of um, bone degenerative disease um, who's suffering a lot of pain and as a result of that pain people often don't realize how much pain people are mm-hmm. because they fake it when they go out but you know, sometimes it, it that too can limit their ability to function think of someone who's injured and is a paraplegic you know how you know, their life has been changed entirely. Um, Some of them have become very successful in coping with it and helping to get rid of the stigma attached to it, but um, they still go through a lot, Mm -hmm. and they may not have pain as such, um, depending on where the, if it's, you know, paraplegic or quadriplegic, but There's, you know, definitely a huge adjustment that they had Mm -hmm. to make. So um, I wanted to distinguish between that so that people did understand. And then, you know, there's possible, what I find, common results of having a chronic illness. And me, I, I really, the first year we were married, they discovered that I had kidney disease. And then I would need a transplant in 15 years, and I had to go on a special diet um, to keep it my kidneys functioning as long as I could. It was, but the funny thing is that it was exactly 15 years. Really? Yeah. <laughs> wow! But um, in the meantime, you know your kidneys aren't functioning at a really high level when you're when you have <coughs> kidney disease. I had 30 percent in each kidney. But fortunately, I was able to keep it that long because I was very. Um, disciplined Mm -hmm. eating and um, so I was I was tired all the time you know and I I had one child naturally and um, you know that helped me to at least have an identity different than the fact that I had to take a nap twice a day Mm -hmm. you know um, and then we adopted our second daughter. And, um, you know, they kept me um, engaged in activities with other women and things like that. So I was able to, um, you know, pretty much feel like my identity wasn't in in, um, in my illness. But um, that is one of the common... Causes of um, results of chronic illness is that it becomes a person's identity. And after the transplant, I had sixteen good years. My mom gave me her kidney. I had 16 oh, wow, that's great incredible! Years. That's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. and um, the neat thing was is that I was healthy enough to compete as in track and field. And I competed, even competed in the Empire State Games. Amazing. And won the silver in the 100 meter. Wow. So oh my god! I was always just very, you know. Fast. <laughs> athletic, yeah. I was in track in um, school. But, um, so, you know, everywhere I go now, I had my second transplant in 2014, but my mom's kidney failed in 2011, so I was three years on dialysis, mm-hmm. and I was not doing well. And even though my sister was ready to give me a kidney, there were too many issues that came mm-hmm. up with me, so kept being postponed and postponed. So um, anywhere I went, and even after the transplant, and especially now for the past, since before the transplant, that When it failed in 2011, till this present day, I have had one major issue over another. Much to my surprise, because it's like, come on, you know. And um, I had become so weak that I could barely get out of a chair Mm -hmm. or walk upstairs by myself. Because I was in bed so much in the hospital. I had so many long hospitalizations. I'd get physical therapy, but then something else would come up really s- suddenly, and it would set me back, and it was just very, very difficult. And wherever I went, and I'm sure there's other people with chronic illnesses that have the same issue. It's like, how are you? You know, how did that surgery go? Which which surgery was it now? You mm-hmm. know, they especially going to church. You know, mm-hmm. You know, you have the whole church praying for you. Um, And then, you know, questions like, have you gotten your strength back? Um, Can you drive yet? Mm -hmm. You know, all kinds of things. And I, some people avoid places. That's one of my other ones coming up. Um, Is that um, isolation Mm -hmm. becomes a big issue. result because they don't want to be with other people and rehashing their story over and over again. And they feel that there's more to them than just their, you know, their mental health that, that, um, activity. I'm so glad that I have grandchildren now because now <laughs> I can relate to people on something other than my health mm-hmm. because everybody in my age group is starting to have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, that's all they want to talk about, you know. And it's fine with me because I can talk about my grandchildren anytime. But, um, you know, so they're, they're isolated because they don't want to be with others and rehash things. Their lack of mobility, their lack of energy their fear of germs and it's especially true for someone with any kind of a transplant is the, the drugs you use to keep your body from rejecting the transplant make you susceptible to mm-hmm. other illnesses which is part of what I've been through the past seven years I've caught so many things that have been a couple of them fatal um, but I pulled through thank God for good doctors definitely <laughs> but um, and then the other another common One is dependence. You know, you can't do what you used to do. Sometimes your life just comes to a halt, like mine did. I was working one day, and that night I went to the hospital, and my kidney, my kidneys failed, and that was it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've seen a few clients here and there, but um, I haven't been able to go to the office and see clients just because... It's too taxing I can't see first of all I have to get there and my husband could always take me in the morning but then I'd have to stick around until I could get me home and I need more time in between my clients to recover so it's just it made it too difficult so um, but you know there's a lot of people who are um, need home care and Need meals prepared for them because they can't do it themselves. Um, some people need help getting dressed. I know I did for a time. A big thing is emotional support and needing people in their lives to to help them cope with, with what they're going through. And that's I would like to start um, increasing my practice to dealing with with people that are dealing with chronic chronic illnesses or for even those who are being caretakers of it. I've seen the effect that he's had on my mm-hmm. husband. And I know that it takes a certain coping in that regards too for men or women if, if it's the man who has the issues. Um, another one is grief. There's so many losses attached with a chronic illness because you can't do what you used to do so you know you end up not being part of activities that you used to be a part of Um, you know your friendships change because you're not as available to do things like you used to so they'll do it with other people or they forget they should ask you whether you want to be a part of an event, but in their mind they think, well, she's probably not doing well enough, I won't ask her, and mm-hmm. then you find out later about the event, it's like, I used to go to those, mm-hmm. why wasn't I invited, you know? Well, we didn't think you were, hey, next time just ask. I'll mm-hmm. say no if I can't make it. Mm-hmm. But at least I am going It might asked, give you the chance, you know? yes. Yeah. So, um, a lot of people deal with that kind of a thing. Um... You definitely lose, um, a real sense of yourself. You know, okay, well, what is my purpose? If, for some people, if I'm never going to get better, I mean, I certainly have hope. I'm in a better position now than I've been in a long time. I haven't hit something, um, surprised me for a while. And <clears throat> I'm still getting my strength back. Um, but, but anyway, purpose. Oh, purpose, yes. Yeah. And, um... It's difficult, and it causes a lot of depression again, Mm -hmm. anxiety, feelings of hopelessness, you know, dread at times, you know, people will self-harm or, you know, attempt suicide just because they're feeling so desperate. And a lot of people don't understand with depression that it's not enough just to, help a person snap out of it by saying well maybe if you got up and took a shower first thing in the morning Mm -hmm. you'd feel better and you'd go about your day and it's like they don't understand you know a real chronic depression or a clinical depression Mm -hmm. where the person really has very little control Mm -hmm. and they don't understand the desperation of wanting to harm yourself in some way Mm -hmm. they don't understand it But, um, and anybody who's been depressed and gets depressed again wonders, oh no, is it going to be like it was last time where it took me two years before I started to feel better, you know? So, you know, there's, there's so many, um, losses. I can't even, um, name them all except oftentimes that marriages suffer, you know, and, One thing we haven't talked about is the effects of medication on a person who's chronically ill. And usually they're on all kinds of medication that affect their um, ability to think. They get confused easily, maybe. Or um, they're irritable and um, difficult to live with. They can't sleep, so they're exhausted all the time, which makes them even more irritable and moody. And you know, unless the spouse gets some help in knowing how do I deal with this? They think that the person's personality has changed, which it has in a way, and that they have some control over that mm-hmm. when really they don't. Yeah, men men can't cope mm-hmm. with you know, what they see is is something that their spouse has control over when it's medically or or um Mm drug-induced, you know, so um, that's a that's a real hard one when men feel, you know, I've had enough, she's not going to get better I'm just going to go on with my life, Mm -hmm. and that's really sad when that happens, and you've heard about it happening with people who have been lost limbs and are in a wheelchair or um, you know, become disfigured in some way you know, not to say that You know, all men are shallow, but they're not. But there are a few men who can't cope with the fact that their wife doesn't look like she used to look look, and um, become really dissatisfied and want to move on Mm -hmm. at a time when they're needed the most. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that I have been very fortunate with is that I do have a husband who is very supportive Um, I have a large group of friends and um, my family isn't necessarily there for me they're lost in their own problems (laughs) they don't um, have the the kind of care and compassion Mm -hmm. Um, I have one sister who is very close to she'll do anything for me and she's the one who gave me her kidney Mm -hmm. the second time um anyway so to cope with all of these things is very difficult so I wanted to talk about some coping strategies one thing of course is don't try to do it Mm alone. to get help you know there's help out there there's um, you know it's the importance of cultivating relationships and this was very hard for me at first having to rely on people to take me places I had a lot of doctor's appointments, and um, I, had to rely on people so much, and first it was hard for me, but I found out that people were so willing to do it, that it made it a lot more um, easy for me to then ask the next time, and I'm still asking, mm-hmm. you know. Um, my husband, when available, will certainly take me, but he's you know, working still, so he doesn't have that kind of flexibility except on Fridays, so I try to put his appointments <laughs> <he laughs> on Friday. I <laughs> but, um, you know, that's a hard thing to do, and especially if a person doesn't have friendships mm-hmm. for some reason. You know, they've never been good at following through with relationships, or they feel hurt, in, been hurt in a relationship and don't want to take the risk in forming new friendships and so you know they they're the type that I'm most concerned about because for them they these things we talked about isolation and you know the emotional stress on them makes it more difficult for them to keep going Mm -hmm. and um, but then there's also um, support groups and there's support groups for all kinds of problems, very specific um, illnesses. And it's just a matter of going online or if you don't have access to a computer, going, um, having someone go online for you to find a support group. And, you know, some people are afraid of support groups because it's like, well, can I trust these people? You're supposed to be confidential, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's times when something might be leaked out. But for the most part, everybody's in the same boat, and Mm -hmm. they're the people that will understand. They're the people that will give you resources that you um, didn't know were available to you. And they're the people that you might be more likely to call and say, hey, I'm going through this. How did you deal with it when you were going through it? So that's a good way to cultivate Mm -hmm. relationships. But, um, But then again, you know, some people are afraid of support groups, and it's important that they find help another way, either through their church or um, through some type of counseling. And, you know, they can go online and and look for a counselor. We can certainly give our information out. But there's one of the things that I would recommend is calling the Erie County Mental Health Association because mm-hmm. they would have a lot of information about different types of services available mm-hmm. in the area.
0: Oh, interesting. Oh, I'll, I'll, we're nearing the end of the episode. I'll have you give the information for how to get in touch with you and mention that again at the end of the episode. Okay, I don't
1: have any information on the Mental Health Association, even though this first event that's coming up, the director of the Mental Health. Erie County Mental Health Association is going to be the speaker.
0: Oh, nice! <laughs>
1: yeah. But I don't have the contact information. But it's, I mean,
0: you know, if you just say the name, people can exactly, Google it.
1: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, did you have anything else specifically about coping mechanisms I or anything?
1: I think I've been through them all. Okay. Um, I wanted to end on that to, you know, to get help to call the Erie County. Mental Health Association, they'd be a great resource. Mm-hmm.
0: So now I'm going to ask you what it means to you to be a woman in this day, in 2018, right now. <laughs> well,
1: I think for me, I see a lot of, a lot of opportunity ahead for me. Um, I am counting on my health getting to a good point right now, mm-hmm. and getting all my strength back, and I would like to, of course, do more counseling at the center. And I'd also like to run some groups. I love doing groups on boundaries. I love doing a group on mental health, um, dealing with a chronic illness. Um, You know, I like the teaching aspect of it, too. So, you know, I don't think that there's anything holding me back. I'm not one of those people that um, you know let confidence if it's something that I know I'm good at mm-hmm. I, will, I will go ahead and you know just delve right into it but um, what I'm most passionate about right now besides my clients mm-hmm. is our married children and my grandchildren mm-hmm. you know, wanting to pour our lives into them because you don't have many years them to know you and for you to be able to have an impact on them so we work really hard one one's in san diego and one daughter's in indiana okay so we have to make a huge effort mm-hmm. to get out there so we just were there for two and a half weeks in august in san diego and then we're going to get it christmas so we work really hard at well, that's we all any vacation money goes <laughs> just indiana on, and san <laughs> diego indiana's a Faraway place. I mean, is yes. do like, you San fly Diego. to? In... No, we oh, no. drive to you drive Indiana, to Indiana and then fly to, yeah, fly to San Diego. Yeah,
0: obviously, fly to San Diego. Yeah,
1: so it gets expensive. But, mm-hmm. You know, I haven't been able to travel anyway, and I may not ever be able to travel because I'm susceptible to so mm-hmm. much um, outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. But I, um, before this happened, before my first kidney failed, I did do some traveling. Mm-hmm. So um, I got to see some parts of the world that I Mm -hmm. feel grateful. Some people never have the opportunity. Mm -hmm. So if I can't do it now, it's like, it doesn't matter. The U.S. is a beautiful place. It is.
0: There are lots of places to travel to in the U.S. (laughs) Um, So Cheryl, thank you so much for being my guest.
1: Oh, it was my pleasure.
0: This was a great conversation. And I hope that... I think the the biggest thing to do to kind of dispel that stigma is just talk about it openly. Yeah. So I hope that's what we've been doing here. Um, But please, before we go, just tell my listeners if they are seeking mental health treatment or counseling, where they can find your services or where they can find services in the Western New York, Erie County area.
1: Right. Well, um... Uh, the name of our organization we already mentioned is Christian Counseling Ministries mm-hmm. of Western New York. But if you googled Christian Counseling Ministries, we would come up. Mm-hmm. But um, our website is www.ccmwny for Christian Counseling Ministries Western New York dot org, and um, they could find out any information about us who the staff are things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and it talks about our sliding fee schedule and, um, you know, what our services are and things like that. We, our phone number is 716-632-3200. That's 632-3200. And that's how to contact our administrator the, in the office, and she is just such a kind, caring person. She puts you at ease right away. Mm-hmm. So um, she would be the person to call, and if you had questions that she couldn't answer, she would get back to you, ask one of the counselors or the director or the clinical director. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then, as I said before, we're on Main Street and Clarence, um, which is... It's just past the Williamsville line, mm-hmm. so it's not deep into Clarence. Um, I was so worried when we bought this the building because I said, we're going to have for Williamsville Clarence because people are going to think it's way too far. <laughs> so for a while, we called it Williamsville Clarence. Oh, okay. But people, you know, had no problem because mm-hmm. it's just right off Main. And Main, mm-hmm. you get to make access to Main so much. Oh, absolutely. So, um Yeah. I also wanted to mention that, and I mentioned this twice, but I'll I'll say it again at the end here: the Erie County Mental Health Association, which I don't have their contact information, but they can so Google it it it. easy enough. Google it; um, they would be a good place to call for resources and and, uh, different kind of things that would help them, like groups, Mm -hmm. things like that. So. Yeah, there's help out there. Absolutely.
0: There is. So if you feel like you need help, reach out. There are lots of places you can go. And it sounds like some of them are just online, so you don't even have to talk to anyone right away. It's true. (laughs) Well, if you're looking to get in touch with me and Womankind, um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Podcast. You can find me on my website at www.womankindpodcast.com or you can email me at womankindpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye, friends.